It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. We've got a very special episode planned for you this week that's been in the works for several weeks, and uh, we think you're really going to uh, enjoy it. Before we get to um, our main subject of the day, I do want to ask people to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Laughable, Ear Peeler, or SoundCloud, and subscribe to our podcast, and that way it will show up on whatever device you uh prefer to uh, listen to your uh, music and podcast on. We'd greatly appreciate that. I also want to thank everybody for uh, listening uh, to the last couple episodes. In the last couple of weeks, our listenership, we've gotten a significant number of new listeners, and uh, we really appreciate that and uh, appreciate them going back and listening to our back catalog and and just seeing like the general mix of um, music topics that we have each week. And uh, like we said, um, have said before, if you listen to one of our podcasts and you don't like the topic, just wait till next week because it'll be something completely different, a different genre probably. And uh, we hope you will enjoy that. So as usual, I have my partner in crime, Chris, on the phone. How are you, Chris? I am doing great, man. How are you? I, I'm I'm doing really, really well. Um, I've had a uh, I've had a good week. I've listened to a lot of music. I've listened to a lot of music the last couple of weeks, actually. And uh, just uh, really taking it easy, and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing uh, recording this podcast. I know you're really looking forward to it. It's probably one of the more anticipated ones that we've done in a while for both of us. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I guess before we really get into that, uh, you said listening to a lot of music. Tell people what what's new. What do you listen? Well, I started last night listening to a band called Bass Drum of Death. Um, and they're from Oxford, Mississippi, and, and Chris and I both went to uh, Ole Miss, which is the college located there, and, and I had I'd heard about them, but I always thought it was more or less like a gimmick. Um, I think it's, basically, it's one guy, and I think he, in the beginning, it was him playing a bass drum and guitar at the same time, but uh, it's a full full band, full band sound now, anyway, and they, uh, they, they, they're, they're gaining a lot of momentum, and their, their listeners, their their listenership is going up, and I think they they played in New York City last night. So um, I don't really know how to describe them other than just kind of like garage rock with a little punk rock edge to it. 
Uh, but they have an album that came out last yesterday called Just Business. And like I said, the uh, band is Bass Drum of Death. If anything, they win points for um, the name of their band, for uh, style points for that. But uh, it's a really good album. I, I listened to it uh, all the way through last night. And then uh, at the gym this morning, I listened to it all the way through and had to run some errands uh, a few minutes ago and, and listened to it as well. So um, I think it's their maybe their third album. But uh, bass drum of death, it's uh, it's really good, and uh, I, I've I've haven't found a bad song on the album, so uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting more into them after we get through uh, with the meat of this podcast, because I've I've been listening to the Afghan Wigs pretty much nonstop for the last couple of weeks. But uh, anyway, bass drum of death, uh, it's available wherever you. However you choose to consume your music, we prefer you buy it somewhere, even vinyl or CD or pay for the download, but get out and support these artists, uh, especially some of these bands uh, just getting started. But Chris, I know you have an album that you want to talk about that uh, if I had a penny for every time you've texted me about it in the last couple of weeks, I could at least go buy myself a meal. Yeah, well, I mean... People that have listened to us recently know that uh, this is not a new band, but they're new to me. They're uh, the fourth album. Fourth album just came out a couple weeks ago. It's a band called Death Heaven, and you know, I mean, it, it's, I know it's not going to be for everybody. And you know, when I first listened to them, it was it was different. It was, um, but it was just so cool to me. It was so bizarre, but just amazing. Um, this this band is uh I've heard them called hipster metal, uh black shoegaze, black um black shoegaze. Uh, it, it's just uh they're hard to define. You know, people refer to them when when I when I hear the term when I hear the term black metal, you know, I think the Norwegian black metal, and yeah, it's just not really for me. You know, nihilism aside, it's just, uh, I don't like the sound of it. But Death Heaven does incorporate the, a little bit of that black metal vocal style, which, so it's, they're harsh vocals. You got to get used to it. But they have, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like black metal meets My Bloody Valentine meets, you know, some of the most sad bastard ending music you've heard, which is just, it's so unique. So just beautifully bizarre. I just love these guys. I cannot get enough of them. Um, it, it, it's hard for me to even call them a metal band, let alone a black metal band. But uh, you know, whatever I say is not going to accurately define them. So uh, just check them out. New album's called "Ordinary Corrupt Human Love." We're in. Well, we're just wrapping up month seven of the year, and. So far, this would without question be my favorite, favorite release of the year. Um, I love it. Cannot get enough. It was, it went a little bit more towards New Bermuda, or I'm sorry, um, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on the album, um, Sunbather. Went a little more in the direction of Sunbather, which is their second album, which is a really, really good thing. But um, they actually added a, there's a song, there's a song with spoken word. There's a song with singing, you know, actual singing, not the screeching. It's just, it's, it's really unique. Um, songs are long, and 
I don't know. I don't know what to say. They're they're different. I've tried like crazy to get David into them. I know it's not going to happen. Um, I'm going to give up now. <laughs> but uh, anybody that's listening, try them. Maybe it works. My cousin, who is not a metal fan at all, loves them. You know, and I will say that the two people that have really hooked on to them that I've referred them, I've, I've referred, I've told a lot of people to listen to Death Heaven, and the two people that have become fans are not metal fans. Well, I'll give you that. Musically, it's it's very interesting, and some of it I think is really good. And there's the um, one song on the album is it called Near? Um, uh, let, me look at the, let me look at the track list. Well, it's hard for me to remember the I, names of them. I but think I think that's familiar. Yeah, it is. That's the one that. Has, yeah, that's the singing. That's yeah, where it has singing. actual singing. I mean, it's good, but uh, yeah, you have to get past the uh, the growling and the screaming. Um, well, you know, let me look and see if I if, if you'll just bear with me for just one minute. Let me look and see if I still because I know that I I saved it because I thought it was so good. Um. Let me see if I still have it. I wanted to, yeah, okay, I, I do have it. I actually screenshot this check from uh, the or this um, this tweet from Charlie Benanti of Anthrax, Anthrax drummer, and this is he defines this them perfectly. Talking about this new album, he said, "Just heard the new Death Heaven record, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. The music is pure Death Heaven, but it's bigger, sadder, faster, darker, and beautiful. Got emotional in a few spots." just hit something and he says um i, I don't know he says he says i hear and I, I know the name of this band but i, I never i never can think how to pronounce it. is it you know what sigor roy i don't know if i'm probably butchering that the cure and of course black metal um and it's kind of the way i feel about it i've said this to people before i listen to death heaven and i don't know whether to punch somebody or just curl up in a ball and cry <laughs> Um, so that, that's probably the best way I can describe them. So hopefully I've piqued your interest. Listen to them. They are amazing. Well, they, uh, they have an interesting, uh, an interesting following of people that are talking about them. It kind of reminds me somewhat of how we've talked about how Mastodon has a interesting, uh, fan base. Yeah, I can, I could see that. So, uh, anyway, uh, Chris swears by him, so uh, give him. David a does not, but don't hold it against him. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying don't buy the album. I'm just. I'm. 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 I'm saying if you want to listen to Chris, listen to Chris. <laughs> All right. So last year, uh, Chris and I did a, did two podcasts where we, we call it. I guess you want to call it artist swap or something something like that, where uh, we take a band. Um, he gives me a band that I'm not necessarily a fan of or really familiar with that he really loves. And in that case, it was social distortion. So I listened to all the social distortion albums. And then I turned around and had him listen to all the black crows albums. And we each would rank, um, the albums kind of based on our initial, you know, our initial, uh, impressions after a few listens. And then we'll, we'll, we discuss each album. Well, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know that one of Chris's two or three favorite bands of all time, uh, Afghan wigs. Now, Obviously, I've heard of them. I've uh, heard, I've read a lot. You know, they're they're constantly referred to by other musicians. And going into this, I, I'll say this. And this, is, I, if anybody from the Afghan Weeks is listening, I don't. This is not. This is a compliment. This is not a put down. 
the way that I've, there's so many people from so many different genres of music that have talked about them being an influence, I always kind of considered them a musician's band in the kind of the same way I would think about Sly and the Family Stone and the band. You know, those are two bands that you, so many people say Sly and Family Stone is one of their favorite bands that are really good musicians. And I would listen to it and go, you know, it's all right. It's not horrible. You know, I just don't get it. Um, the same thing with the band. Now, the band um, I have, I've come to really like. And I've actually come to like Sly and the Family Stone a lot as well. So I kind of always thought this was one these the Afghan Wigs were one of those bands where they were just a band that other musicians liked. So the kind of the methodology behind all this was there's seven official studio albums. I've listened to every one of them at least twice, some of them four and five times. And I tried to go into it without any preconceived notions. Now, I know that Chris's favorite one of his favorite albums of all time is Gentlemen. And we did, I did send out a tweet about a week ago to kind of pique some interest in, in our future podcast. Uh, and the Afghan Wigs actually retweeted it. And so we got a lot of responses, kind of, what's your favorite Afghan Wigs album? So I understand that amongst the hardcore fans, it's usually either Gentleman or Black Love. So I had that in the back of my head, but I did not, I tried not to take that into account. Now, with a band like this, there's no way in two weeks. I could sit down and and really know a lot about them other than just my first impressions because the lyrics are very they're for the most part very deep, very dark um and a lot of I think there are a lot of songs that they have done that a lot of the fans still probably don't exactly understand what the song is about. So I'm going to give you my first impressions, but if you're a hardcore fan, don't if I didn't don't say that one of those albums that you really like is the best it's not saying you're wrong at all it's probably saying i haven't had enough time with it and i can tell you right now there are a few albums of theirs that i can tell would really take a long time to absorb so this is me going just off a few listens first impressions i've purposefully not done any research for this only thing i've done is i got one quote from greg dooley the lead singer and and principal songwriter that I'll bring up at some point. But other than that, I have not been going and looking, you know, reading about each album because I didn't want anything to influence, influence me. And Chris hasn't told me any information, uh, really. So I'm kind of in the dark on this. So it's going to be my first, just my first impressions and just kind of stream of conscious. And then, uh, Chris is going to chime in and, and, and fill everybody in more on, um, uh, the backgrounds of the albums, what he likes about them, what some of the lyrics mean and just uh he's just going to be our expert for the day so chris are you are you up to that challenge well i, I expert is giving me way too much credit but uh man that was a really good introduction um i can tell you put a lot of thought into that and i, and I appreciate it because yes this is one of my favorite bands and i've said before gentlemen and gentlemen black love is for a lot of fans flip a coin and i fall into that camp that being said Gentlemen, yes, I do lean for that being my favorite one, but I'd also say that Gentlemen is probably my favorite album, period. Um, yeah, so that just shows you how much I do love this band, and I, I just love those two albums, but I love them all. Um, so, yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, 
like I said, I think this is going to be fun and, and, and it's going to be a good time. So their first album was called Big Top Halloween. And this was not released on a, on a major label. This was on Sub Pop. Is that correct, Chris? No. In, okay. um, independently released, Big Top Halloween. And, you know, and I, I don't know how many fans listening to this. Um, I, I would, obviously, any diehard fan listening to this knows about this album, probably owns a copy of it. But if you're a novice, you may not even know that it exists. And even if you do know it exists, you may have never been able to get your hands on it because you can't get it as a streaming service on a streaming service, you cannot really, you can't find a copy of it, not on Amazon, not on eBay, unless you get really lucky. You, um, I, I looked up for him on YouTube, I looked for it on YouTube because I wanted to give, let, tell David how he could listen to it. And they had maybe five songs off of it. And so I had to, David's in Mississippi. I'm in, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. So I had to, uh, burn him a copy and send it to him because you just can't find it at all. So that's why I say some people may not even have ever heard this album. It was independently released, and it's what led to them getting signed with Sub Pop. Yeah, and so, I mean, he, he just made me a copy of it, mailed it to me, so I don't even have the titles of the songs. Um, so I'll just refer maybe to something as track so-and-so or whatever I want to I get didn't to. Think about, I, didn't, I really didn't think about that. Just what I just said to you, the fact that you can't even find it. So there would be no way for you to get a track listing. I didn't even think about trying to include a track listing. My bad. Sorry. No, that's, that's not a problem. So, all right. So my initial impressions of it, this does sound like something that was that was produced and, and made on the cheap. I feel like uh, the it's very kind of frantic and all over the place. It does sound like something that would come from the you know late 80s independent slash alternative scene. I feel like uh, it may have had a little bit of a punk uh, influence on it with uh, the the speed and kind of the some of the song structures. Uh, one song that stuck out for me and uh, that I thought was interesting was Song 8. To me, it sounds like a mix of Uncle Tupelo, Early Wilco, and maybe the old 97s. Um, which, uh, yeah, that, song, that song's called Life in a Day, by the way, well, for anybody listening. Life in a Day, which I think sounds a lot different than, than most of the songs on that album. But you can tell... At this point, there was very little, you know, cohesion as far as like uh, style and, and 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 lyric writing and things like that, which you expect from a very young band that doesn't have any money. Uh, if you know, Chris and I had a band and we didn't have any money back then, I'm sure it would well, it would sound bad. I can guarantee it would sound it would sound bad if Michael Wagner produced it, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it uh, it would sound bad. But uh, not um, not not one of my favorites of theirs. But like I said. You, you could tell they were a young band, had talent, and had uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of moxie because uh, it's, a, it's a pretty frantic album. So uh, that's really all I have on Big Top Halloween. Well, yeah, and this album, too, it did, you said, sounds kind of like late 80s, early 90s. It came out in 88. And, yes, it was, um, it was self-released. And, you know, I, I feel, I think, I want to say Greg Dooley was in California when he wrote a lot of these songs, and um, he moved back to uh, moved back to Cincinnati because he they had been I guess broken up. He and the Afghan Wigs. He moved back, and they uh, actually they may have even called the Black the Afghan Wigs at that time. They may have still been the Black Republicans. I can't recall. But anyway, he moved back to to Cincinnati, and 
they put together this album, and like I said, it is what led to us to uh, a deal with Sub Pop. Um, you know, it's uh, I think this one has some really good songs on it. It sounds to me, it almost sounds. I guess it's hard to say ahead of its time because '88 versus say '92, '93, it's not like it's that far in advance. But it does sound like it was that sound that we all started hearing in the early '90s all over our radio dials was kind of what they were doing on this album in '88, and it's uh, it's definitely raw. It doesn't have the um, R&B soul flavor that everybody you know associates Afghan wigs with. Uh, band was finding themselves, and I, um, you know, I, I, it's funny you had mentioned that that uh, life in a day you thought sounded like it could be Uncle Tupelo or uh, who else did you call early Wilco in the old ninety sevens? Yeah, it's funny because, and this is not even a joke. As I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this album again, preparing to do this, I'm trying to gather my thoughts and that song in particular i'm not even making this up it was that song and it was uh, back of the line those two songs i listened to i was like well, you know these kind of have a, a cracker vibe to them um and that's a compliment you know my dave and i both really like cracker and cracker kind of kind of had that country type roots rock sound to him at times so for you to say you hear uncle tupelo you hear wilco early wilco that makes sense to me but you know, I do like this album. I enjoy this album. I, there are some songs on it that I really, really like. Here Comes Jesus. Uh, that's the opening track for you, David. Um, I'm a big fan of that one. I uh, I really like uh, I like the next track, In My Town. Big Top Halloween. I love that one. And, of course, that's going to come up on... They re-recorded that and on for uh, Up In It. But that one, uh, Life in a Day, Sammy, and the last song... Greek is extra. Love that song. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a rawer sound, a, a more college indie, you know, alternative rock sound, this album. But uh, it's a nice little, nice little start for this band. So the next album is Up In It. Now, was this, was this when they got on Sub Pop? Yeah, this was on Sub Pop. This was, uh, and before you give your review, I'll just say this one was recorded in 89. They did this in, uh, I believe they did this in Seattle with Sub Pop. And they were, there was one band outside of that Seattle area, but Northwest area, there was one band that was not on, that was not, they have one band on the Sub Pop label that was not in that area. And it was a band called Fluid. And the drummer of that band was, um, he almost kind of, he, they were, this fluid was in, I believe, Denver. And the drummer kind of served as a uh, A&R for the label. And they happened to be playing a show in Cincinnati. I think it was in Cincinnati. And, and the Wigs, they, the Wigs played with them. And he was blown away with them. So he, he told, he told the label about them, got Afghan Wigs to send a demo tape. And uh, then initially, you know, they didn't initially bite because they kind of wanted to have this Northwest focus, but eventually, you know, deal was struck. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were the only, they were the only band. I mean, there was fluid, which was in Denver and the Afghan wigs in Cincinnati and everything else was in the Northwest. 
Do, do but, you think that played a role in Dewey and Dave Grohl becoming friends? Because Dewey's the only musician other than Dave Grohl that played on the Foo Fighters debut album. I think it probably is. You know, and I mean, he was he was at that. Uh, he knew all those guys. You know, he he knew. I mean, he dedicated uh, after Kurt Cobain died. He he dedicated when we two parted from Gentlemen to Kurt Cobain at a show in New York City. Um, he knew them and. And I think, too, being with Sub Pop, I think that probably made them play a little bit faster, a little bit louder, having a little bit of that grunge. That I, they weren't a grunge band, but having a little bit of that influence. And then Jack and Dino, he produced it. You know, that was the Sub, you know, Sub Pop in-house producer. And if you're, if you're not familiar with Dino, he produced, I'll, I'll give you a few albums, he produced Green River's Dry as a Bone, Mud Honey, their legendary EP, um, Super Fuzz, Big Muff. He, um, the very first Soundgarden, which was, um, a lot of people don't know about this one, but Screaming Life, but the, here's the big one he did. He did Nirvana's Bleach. So, I mean, he was, he was just pumping out all those records for Sub Pop, and that's who they had produced this record. Oh, that's interesting. I, I never had put the, I never had put the connection together with, um, Dave Grohl and them, and it just hit me when you're talking about them being on Sub Pop. So, up in it is the next album. Like we said, it's on Sub Pop. Tell they have a little bit more money. The production value is better. Um, I have right here, I said, overall, I feel like this album is less cohesively stylistically than later albums. Um, I did say, though, that I thought several of the songs on the album reminded me of Dinosaur Jr. And um, I do have on here, highlights for me are Retarded, Hated, Southpaw, you my flower and I am the sticks and I am the sticks I believe is the last song on that album and on our exile on main street episode our guest Dean Gavney uh, was quick to point out that really good bands are not scared to put a great song on last and I feel like I am the sticks is a really good song especially for a closing song and so that is a theme that I noticed going forward from here on out is that the uh, the last song on their albums more more times than not was a really good song. Um, I actually liked this one a little bit more than I thought I, I probably would have initially because it was at the time that I started listening to the Wigs. I did not know about Big Top Halloween, so I thought this was their first album that they ever recorded. Uh, I, I do like it better than I had anticipated. Yeah, and those are some good the songs you named. You know, I'm I'm. You know, we're we're really kind of um, in agreement on some of our favorite ones. You know, I would I would add Big Top Halloween. You know, like I said, I, that goes back to um, the the first one. I, I I really love that song. I love Curly's bass line. Um, you know, just uh, I, I love I love when you know Dooley shouting. But if I was as stupid as I look, um, I, I love that song. I love. Um, Retarded is just a great song. They still play live to this day. Great, uh, great guitar intro. Hated, really cool song. And then you, my flower. I would say that's my, that's got to be my favorite one on the album. Um, I, I I love that one. In in my I'm the sticks. I'm, I'm also a big fan of that one. I just see to so this album. This album to me was just um, again they still hadn't hit that really kind of that R and B type flavor that they were known for this one um was still though 
it was still less party themed than the, their debut. And you could, to me, it felt like the uh, songwriting came across a lot more serious. I know you said it wasn't as cohesive as other albums, and that's fair. But I feel like the songwriting, just from Big Top, Big Top Halloween to this, had had really matured. Um, lyricism, uh, um, I'm already starting to. Yeah, I'm starting to get the uh, bitter Greg Dooley that I that I really really love. Um, you know, you're starting to hear elements to that. Uh, yeah, I wrote down as I'm just writing down a few um, as I'm preparing for this. Like you, you my flower, you my flower, a line that I put in that I really like. Uh, better get myself a drink. Better get a couple so I can look you straight in the face. Tell you what I think of you. Almost. Wow, I can't even read my writing. Almost as much as you think of you, um, I don't know. I, like I said, you just kind of start to, that that uh, that Dooley's coming out. That Dooley that I love is starting to come out in this album. I saw. I did read uh, one article today, and it had a a, a funny quote. Uh, actually, it was an album review. I think I was trying to get some information on, on uh, just a small amount of information on one of the albums, and it said Greg Dooley's songwriting can go from pillow talk to a restraining order in a matter of seconds. Yeah, yeah, it, it really can. You know, another lyric I put, I wrote this, I love this, So What You Made Me Smile. I had smiled at lesser things before I ever thought of you. I mean, I just, I love it. And I mean, it's going to get a lot more angry as we go along. All right, so the next album is Congregation. Now, Chris, was this the major label uh, debut or was this still Sub Pop? No, we're still on Sub Pop at this time. Okay, all right. I'm just go ahead and say I did not really like this album a lot. Um, here's some of the notes I have. I said this album. Let me explain this. This album sounds a lot like other '90s alternative music. Were they the forerunners? Question mark. And I put I don't know because I did not listen to them then. Did other bands copy them? And I think the answer to that is yes. That this came out in what '91, '92, '92. Okay, so you know, in the next couple of years, you're getting, you're getting a lot of the Me Too, not Me Too movement, a lot of you know Me Too <laughs> bands, uh, you know, that want to sound like people they were listening to, and so since I did not listen to them then, when I go back and listen to this, it sounds to me like oh, it just sounds like a lot of other music that came out at that time. When in reality, they were part of the architects of that sound. So it's not fair to say that. Just as a novice going back, that's immediately what hit me. Oh, this sounds like basically a lot of other stuff that came out then. Um, I put on here that this album has more of a quote-unquote alternative feel to it. The two highlights that I had uh, on this album were Conjure Me and This Is My Confession. Like I said, uh, this one just really didn't, uh, this one didn't do a lot for me. Okay. Yeah, and you know, this is one that um, I think when you first posted about this, doing this podcast there were a surprising number of people that really put you know congregation as their favorite and i know a lot of people do love this album and um and and i do i, I think I, I really do enjoy it i think it's got some really good songs on it um this into the bidding war for um brass Genwigs. i mean because there was a lot of demand i mean i think there were over a dozen labels that were trying to sign these guys um so yeah, I mean it was uh yeah, it still it still I feel like it was a little bit kind of being inspired by that by that grunge music. Um but 
But at the same time, I think that the Afghan Whigs were starting to come a little bit more into their own on this one. Um, songs that I really that I do really love on this, uh, I'm her slave. I just um, love that song. Supposedly it's about heroin. The um, very next song, Turn on the Water. Yeah, I just put on there, I, I do love the slide guitar that's on that. And Let Me Lie to You is, that's my favorite one on the album. You know, I just, uh, my feeling is it's just about a guy's infidelity. And, um, and he, you know, he lies about it. It comes off as um, a plea for the woman to accept these lies and to not question him. And, you know, and that's, again, kind of we're getting more into his, the songwriting we've become accustomed to in later years. But, um, yeah, I, I do like this album a lot. You know, uh, Kiss the Floor as well was another one that I really liked. Um, you know, it's a, a, I love that opening riff, the, the guitar riff on there. Uh, do, do, uh, Greg Dooley, his opening line, I thought was so cool. Um, but, uh, anyway, I just, uh, yeah, I do like this record a lot. Um, this one I did put on here, it was, like we said, it was released in 92. It was, uh, they had a uh, $15,000 advance from Sub Pop. It was produced by Greg Dooley. Um, I did in my notes, I put this is to me when they started really to become the Afghan Wigs. They really, they were starting to incorporate more of that R&B soul sound. Uh, I've read what people say the, uh, the cover, they said it kind of alluded to their, um, uh, african-american influences you know we have the the black woman holding the white child uh so anyway it um i just i i feel like the the lyricism too was kind of what was going to become a signature for greg dooley you know there's a lot of a lot of pleasure a lot of guilt bad relationships <coughs> the, sex, the sexual decency um like i said this is what led to them getting signed by electra so they get signed by Electra, and their uh, major label debut is Gentleman, and uh, this is one of their one of their heavy hitters, uh, so to speak. So I'm gonna give you kind of my initial thoughts on it. I have a few notes on a couple of songs, and then I'm gonna turn it over to uh, to Chris. Uh, first things first, it's a very creepy album cover. We did our favorite album cover uh, episode. It was one of the first um, podcasts we ever did. And uh, Chris went into great detail about the the backstory um, of the album cover. So if you if you uh, haven't listened to that episode, that's a good chance to go back. And that album cover episode was a lot of fun to do. My immediate react I have here. My immediate reaction is a greater production value than the previous two albums. The lyrics, musically and lyrically, uh, this is a darker album. So. Um, I think it's the first song, If I Were Going, I have on here, it just draws you in, and it's just kind of, next. you know, it just pulls you in, and it, it, I think it's a great uh, a great way to start the album. The next song, gentlemen, um, I have on here, I absolutely love how this song starts off. Vocals are clearer and easier to understand than on previous albums. This song is mixed perfectly. The uh, next song I have notes for, I just have Be Sweet. Uh, sounds like a great song. Great guitar solo. Then we come to Debonair. And I hope I don't make people mad with this because I'm, I'm not trying to... Uh, I, I, to me, this is a compliment. Uh, I have one here. This should have been a huge radio hit. It sounds to me like it could have been on Radiohead's The Bends from a sonic standpoint. 
then I have What Jail Is Like. I have a good song with a more conventional tempo. Uh, the song My Curse, I just have next to it Skippable. And then I have uh, Now You Know. I just have that fits in nicely with this album. All right, so I know that, that this is, you know, for, for people that die hard Afghan Wigs fans, this is this is this is it. This is one of the two. And uh I understand why that is, but for me, it's a lot to digest. The the lyrics on this album are a lot to take in. And I, I could not listen to it with any kind of prejudice. I, I tried to basically say, all right, everybody let's just go into this saying everybody else is wrong or you never read all those tweets where everybody said this was their favorite album and you judge it on your initial impression with that said i understand why people like it so much i personally don't there, there are there are several others that i like more than it now if i choose to really go dive in the wigs and there are a lot of songs that i uncovered on this that i added to a uh I have a Spotify list. It's on my own personal Spotify uh, account where I, when I just come across good songs, uh, I put them on there. It's up to like a thousand so far. So I will tell you this, Wix fans, I probably put 20 songs on there uh, from these different albums. And there are definitely several songs off this album that I have put on there. But like I said, given the amount of time I had to get into it, there's no way that I could come to the appreciation that so many of you do. I understand why you do, why you like it as much, but right now where I'm at with my experience with the Afghan wigs, it's just not, it's not one of my top ones. So with that, I will turn it over to Chris and this is his favorite album. Yeah. So there, there's so many things I like about this. You know, I, I know that well, first before I really get into the way the, album, the feel of the album for me, just a little bit of information about it, and um, and I want to give credit to before I keep going, just so it doesn't look like I came up with all these thoughts and I was lucky enough to interview the boys in the band. This was a lot of the stuff I, I've gathered off this was my book called. If, if anybody's heard of the um, Thirty Three and a Third series, the author was Bob Gendron. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He did one of these books for gentlemen. Uh, if you if you're not familiar with 33, 33 and a third series, highly recommend you checking them out. Just just Google it or go to Amazon and type thirty three and a third. If you're a music fan, I promise you there's been one made about one of your favorite albums. And uh, this one was of the ones that I've read. This was my favorite one, not just because of the album. I just thought it was it was better written. I, I really enjoyed this book. So a lot of things um, came from that, and it was hard for me to remember a lot of them because I read this probably. You know, I don't know, four or five years ago. But I tried to remember some of the things on there. Um, what I would say is that with this album, I, um, you know, Greg Dooley, had, had, he, he commented about, about the fact that it, the other albums, had, the prior albums had been a collaborative effort with the other three guys in the band. But this one became more Greg Dooley as the primary songwriter. And I, and I did put a quote on here where he said, I never wanted to do that. I really didn't. There was no conscious I'm taking over the band. To this day, collaborating with people is one of my favorite things to do. But, but he did say that all the guys in that album, on that album, they played a significant role. And he's like, without them, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be what it is. And 
And, you know, that may be true because this is when we're really starting to feel that more R&B, you know, soul vibe in this album. And, and I know that the guitarist uh, that was, you know, in the first version of early days of Afghan Wigs, Rick McCollum, he supposedly was very influenced by 70s soul music. And so I think his uh, his playing really probably probably really helped make this album what it is. But this album it did end up becoming what would, I guess, technically a concept album. If um, I don't want to talk out of context, you know, if, if we're lucky enough that Greg Dooley's actually wasting a couple of minutes of his time listening to us, um, I don't want to speak out of line, but I think this had something to do with a relationship he had with a woman in... in um, in Los Angeles and he was you know he was being unfaithful he found out she was and it all just fell apart and it, it basically led to the songs on this album so I know this album is uh, it's painful in a lot of ways to him um, you know he's even said before about these these songs were became difficult for him to perform because he said they were he thought they were mean, and he didn't like the person that he was singing those songs. But I love it. <laughs> I love this album. This album was, uh, it did come out in, it came out in 92, or not, sorry, 93. It was uh, on Electra Records. Greg Dooley did produce this. They recorded it at Ardent Studios here in Memphis, Tennessee. And supposedly, Jody Stevens, who was, um, you know, he was doing the, he was kind of a talent scout at that time. He eventually ended up running Ardent, but Jody Stevens was the drummer for Big Star, which was a big influence for, for Greg Dooley. Um, he wanted him he he wanted him to record the album there at Ardent, and I know that Greg Dooley talked about how much that meant to him being a big Big Star fan. So they did end up doing the album there, and this is completely um people just bear with me as I'm going all over the map here. I just I was thinking about something I was telling David earlier about how Greg Dooley said that. I read somewhere where he said that uh, Husker Du, he saw them on the Zen Arcade tour. And around that same time, he saw he saw Prince on the 1999 tour. And he said that those two albums, those tours, just how much they changed him as, I guess, as a writer and told him, you know, made him evolve into what he wanted to be. So I think this is where you start getting except more and more of that soul vibe. But um, yeah, the album, um, cutting about, see, I said 18 days for about $60,000, which of course is not that not that expensive. Um, but anyway, I'll, um, let me just get to the album. The, uh, the songs itself, I actually love every single song on here. You know, the first song, If I Were Going, I, uh, well, as a step back to this album, the way I've always, the way I've read about it, the way I've heard people talk about it, the way I've heard Dooley talk about it, this album was, the way he visioned this album was as a, a film. So, as I know that, and as it's drilled in my head, I listen to this album and I hear it in the context of a film. So, that's why I want to start with this when I say, If I Were Going was just an amazing opener, you know, where you hear, you hear that kind of odd sound. You may not know what that is, but what that sound was is, is John Curley, the bassist of Afghan Wigs, 
he hung a mic out of his car. And uh, Greg Dooley was driving over a bridge in Cincinnati, and he put the mic outside the car, and that's where that sound comes from. So uh, other songs that I just love, um, you know, Gentlemen, I just, <laughs> man, that's a cool song. And I, I just remember that video, you know, Greg, Do- Greg Dooley just looks like, he looks like such a stalker in it. It's just, it's, uh, I don't know, there's, so, and there's something too that's just so cool when you first see them and the visuals you first see on this band where they, uh, in a time of grunge, and here these guys wearing suits and blazers and all that and i just thought that was a very very cool look but um i love this i i said when i was kind of looking listening to it over again taking notes on it i i felt like that drum intro i felt yeah i, I can put that little intro i can compare that to that drum intro of rem's the end of the world i think it's that cool um be sweet uh, i love that riff um you know, I just interpret this as, you know, someone who's not satisfied by their lover. They needed other women. Uh, Debonair, the uh, cool R&B guitar riff. You know, I feel that you can feel the anger. I mean, he's pissed in the song. You know, he's he's, but he's treated he's treated this woman poorly. He just doesn't care. Um, when we two parted, love this one. I just felt like, um, almost like he comes off as feeling like he's taking pride in being a dick. Um, Fountain in Fairfax, great, great tune. Uh, I love this bridge. I love the let me drink, let me tie off. So cool. Uh, I know I'm going over the whole album, but this is what this album really does for me. Um, what Jell is like, you know, a couple of line I wrote down. You think I'm afraid of girls? Well, maybe, but I'm not afraid of you. And um, I don't know. I just. It's, you mentioned David to um, my curse. How you felt that was kind of a skipper. I don't know if you know this, but um, and I don't know if it's really true. But the story is that that song was really just kind of painful for Greg Dooley to sing. So he had his a friend of his who was in a in a Cincinnati band. He had her sing the song, and he thought that it ended up working well because he felt that it gave voice to the woman on this album. Because again, this is more of a conceptual album. So he felt that it did. It was given that female voice, and if you actually, if you want to hear Greg Dooley do a, if you want to hear, if you've never heard it, him actually singing the vocals, you can get the 20th anniversary that came out a couple of years ago, and it's really cool to finally, after all these years, hear Greg Dooley singing the vocals on this. Um, you know, I keep coming back. That was just such a cool, cool song. This. Um, this is a cover song that supposedly when Greg Dooley was going through all this stuff, this breakup, it was the B side of a Tyrone Davis song. And it was really what, if I'm understanding correctly, it's what kind of helped him get through all this. And so they ended up covering that song. And then let's get to the end of the album, brother Woodrow closing in prayer. Um, you do hear in there where it says brother Woodrow lead us in closing prayer. It's rumored that Sam Phillips, but nobody really seems to know. But that is, to me, that really feels like the closing credits of an album. Again, just going by this, you know, cinematic approach that they took. And I just love the way the album flows. I feel like it's not just that I love the songs on it. I think the song sequencing, the intro, the closing, everything about it fits perfect. I mean, you've got the, 
almost like the intermission where you're given, you know, you're given the female uh, Marcy Mays to sing on my curse. You're given her her opportunity. I love that. And one other thing I do want to bring up on this album before we move on is uh, I read where they, I guess the band had gone out and one night and Greg Dooley. They went out and Greg. They 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 visited some uh, gentlemen's clubs, and Greg Dooley took a liking to a stripper, and he ended up bringing her back. Who God knows what time in the night it was, but he brought her back. He wanted to impress her, I guess. He brought her back to the studio, and loaded out of his mind, ended up recording several takes. It ended up becoming, it ended up becoming the, the the final takes on the album. A few of those were Debonair, Fountain and Fairfax. I'm trying to think if there's another one. I know those three. His the takes he did, you know, with as, as when they left that strip club on this, I guess this uh, drunken, stoned out high night of his. He able he actually laid those down that night in front of that stripper as a way to impress her. And um, I did put on there too where uh, where where. Uh, Jeff Powell, the uh, guy who engineered the album, was saying how there was something about him that night. He was just, he was just on that night. Sorry, David, I went way long on that. No, that was actually it was very interesting, and I knew you were going to get in depth on that. And so, uh, I think that uh, I think that was very interesting, especially the uh, stripper part. But uh, anyway, in the the Sam Phillips reference, so. <clears throat> This album obviously got a lot of critical acclaim and uh, brought them to a, uh, a larger uh, fan. Brought them to the more for the more for, well, excuse me, I'm tongue tied to the forefront uh, of a lot of uh, best of lists, and, and a lot of people are really into uh, alternative music. And the next album that they put out is Black Love, and this is if the majority of the people that responded to my tweet didn't say gentlemen the vast majority of the rest said black love. So it's obviously held in very high, um, regard. I do have a few notes here. Uh, I have crime scene part one, the opening song. It has a great slow build that pays off in the end. I'm starting to, uh, notice a trend with, uh, 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 Afghan Wigs albums song starting off slow. You had this one, you had the opening song on gentlemen, uh, Birdland on in spades is the same. Uh, which I think is uh, I think is kind of cool because a lot of bands are especially rock bands are going to put put their heavier th- heavier song or at least the one with the biggest hook usually on first. So I think that also shows some confidence in them that that they b- believe their fan base is at least going to give them a chance and you know get into the bulk of the album. Uh, I have a song on here called My Enemy. I put I like this song. I love the melody and I think it's some of Dooley's best vocal work. Um, Double Day. I have another great track. I have in parentheses. I love the tempo. Blame Etc. said this has some of the R&B influence that they are so wildly wildly compared to. Maybe my favorite song on the album. Uh, Step Into the Light. I have on here a nice mellow song for a change. Almost has a country feel to it. Going to Town. I have I love the groove on this song. Honky's Ladder. I feel like this one probably really cooks live. The guitar playing is stellar. Uh, Night by Candlelight. I have the first real stinker on the album. Sounds like an orchestra is playing on it. I actually like that part of the song. Uh, Then I have Bulletproof. Sonically has a pop feel to it. Was this a single question? 
Um, Summer's Kiss would fit well in an arena setting. I really love this song. It has an epic feel to it. Uh, and then I have the closing song, Faded. It, it starts out kind of slow, which you think, you know, hey, th- with the term faded, this is a good way to end an album. But it, it ends up uh, rocking at the end uh, and uh, picks up the pace. I have another great song to end, an al- to end an album. I have This is a Sign of a Confident Band. And, for Chris, before I get your take on it, I, I mentioned uh, uh, Blame Etc. has has some an R&B feel to it. And you have mentioned that. Uh, kind of going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I feel like the Afghan Whigs suffer from what several other bands that I like, that I, that I'm big fans of suffer from. I believe a lot of times when it comes to music critics, they get very very lazy. We'll give you two examples, and I think Afghan Whigs fall into this category. You cannot read an article about the Black Crows that does not compare them to the Faces. You just can't. All right. Truth be known, the first Black Crows album, yes, that sounded a lot like a, a, a Faces album. Song or two maybe on their second album, but by the third album, they didn't sound like the Faces. Yet, when their last album was released in 2010, the bulk of the review said, you know, Faces in, the, this is a Faces-influenced band. All right, another band that gets that is My Morning Jacket. The early My Morning Jacket albums... Uh, Jim James sang, they recorded them in a silo, and he sang with a ton of reverb to the point sometimes you couldn't even make out the lyrics. And it's hard to read any article about My Morning Jacket that does not talk about the reverb-soaked vocals of Jim James, and it constantly mentions that they're a southern band from Louisville, Kentucky. Every review is going to say that. Truthfully, they hasn't used the the reverb vocals on the last four albums. And so I feel like so many times when you read something about the Afghan wigs, they have this narrative that they're heavily R&B influenced and, and and it comes up in all the reviews. I don't see that on every album like the music media would would portray like they portray that i just don't see it i see some hints of it at times and there's a couple there's an album coming up that i think i hear a lot more of that on but do you feel like that's something that they got labeled with early on and people were just lazy to have an original thought yes i do agree with you and and you know you may not remember this you and i've talked about this before where i said that okay i do hear it and i I think Gentlemen's, where you first started hearing it, you felt you heard more of it in Black Love, and then you heard even more of it in 1965. So it did progressively become more and more. But if you listen, if you read the reviews, if you blindly read them, and you've never heard this band, you're going to think they're, you know, like... You're going to think it's 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 like... you're gonna think it's like, like REM. Band. You're gonna think it's like REM meets Prince. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I know they had more of that sound in them than anybody, especially after that time. They did, and they did have that influence. And I talked about Rick McCollum was supposedly he, he did have that that. But people do, I think. Hey, Chris, you, a, you you cut out, way, Chris, Chris, 
you cut out yeah. you cut out for about for about twenty seconds. Can you go back and and, and say what you were going to say? Well, I was just saying they they um, I think it's over exaggerated, and I was saying that I know that there are influences. Rick McCollum he he was influenced. He had that seventies you know seventies soul influence with his guitar playing. Greg Dooley he grew up listening to his mom's soul records. There was that influence. There's no doubt. But people do talk about it as if they hear almost like, I don't know. Okay, it's almost like you would think, like, you go to a wedding and you hear these, like, soul bands. I said a lot of times the stuff they end up getting, like they're playing the Sam and Dave hits and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you expect when you read, the, read people commenting about them that that's what they're playing. You know, they're playing Sam and Dave. And they're not. Yeah, but like I said, yes, the influence is there. But, uh, yes, I completely completely agree with you on it um that i feel there is an influence but to flat out call them like a soul band and they're not you know and they were even called i i, I know greg dooley's commented about it before they were even called soul grunge which is just ridiculous but anyway so no you, you're you're right on that that's a good observation so but uh Getting back to Black Love, this was recorded in 96. It was also recorded at Ardent. And I did put that it was funkier. It was more soulful. It was, to me, uh, it was even darker. And Because Gentleman was just, to me, Gentleman was just pissed off. It wasn't that it was a dark record. It was just an angry record. You know, it was, it was written out of, you know, a relationship that went bad. And we've all been there. And if we were as gifted as a, a lyricist and a songwriter, you know, we've all had breakups where we could have coined a pretty damn good song if we had Greg Dooley's talent. And he was able to do that with gentlemen. Um, unfortunately, most of us in this world, we can't do that. But I felt like Black Love came out and it was even darker. This was... Um, you know, this had a this had a new drummer coming into the band. This guy was a you know I, I'm not sure on the pronunciation of his last name, but Paul Buchanan. He uh, he's a session drummer at Ardent, and he ended up becoming the uh, the drummer for the Afghan Wigs. And I put on here too that he that he replaced Steve Earle because Steve Earle said that he uh, his second to last show he fell off his stool front of 70,000 at the uh, Reading Festival during Debonair. And I guess that was kind of like the last straw. Kind of like uh, uh, Steven Adler falling into the drum kit on his last performance. Did he really? Yeah, at, uh, at, at Farm Aid, when they take the stage, you've watched the video, when they take the stage to play uh, Civil War, Adler's the first uh, one out and he trips and falls into the, the drum kit. God. But, uh, you know, I just felt... Like this album was supposedly supposedly you know, Greg Dooley was he wanted to make a he wanted to make a, a film you know film noir and this was the songs on this what he was writing is what would have been the soundtrack for that and if you actually look in the liner notes of the album and I, I, it kind of plays out like a film so he's kind of staying the same way he did with Gentlemen and still kind of. He said, influenced by making his his art, his music, more theatrical. Um, 
you know, he, he did say that it was, you know, black love, it, it became a way for him, him really to distance himself from the gentleman stuff because uh, he just didn't want to feel those feelings anymore. As I'd stated prior, he said that those songs just became very difficult to play. He, um, again, he thought they were mean. And, you know, by the, by the time Black Love came out, he wouldn't play a lot of them. And to this day, really, uh, we were listening to, I was listening to Dean Del Rey's interview with him, and, you know, and he was saying that they, a lot of them, they, they still don't play a lot of them. I know they're hard for him. But, um, but this album is, um, and I've seen Greg Dooley say before, he feels like the real, like the diehard fans, like, and all, this is the album they put as their favorite. And I get that. And there was a time where I probably would have said it was my favorite one. Uh, but I just, there's something about the flow of gentlemen, as I talked about, uh, everything from that start going over the, going over that bridge to that Brother Woodrow, that closing, everything about it, the, the flow of it, the sequence, it was just perfect. But Black Love is definitely one of my favorite albums of all time as well. Uh, I, I thought this, I, I still listen to this album all the time. Um, Crime Scene, Part One. I mean, man, what an opener. You know, it just, it, it sounds like it's a guy that's planning on, you know, going to commit a crime or maybe he's planning suicide. I, I don't know. You know, my interpretation was that it's more about suicide. But, yeah, and a lot of that, you know, the lyric, tonight, tonight, I say goodbye. I love the buildup in that song. Um, my Enemy, I just, I put, you know, amazing chorus. It's definitely a... Um, song sounds like he's determined to get revenge on a friend you know the lyrics you want the dog i'll let him out come and get some baby um you know so he's he's just um it's an it's an angry song double day uh, i enjoy that song blame etc put on you know i put the same thing where where you were talking about i did put that this was a very i put very 70s funk soul guitar you know i felt it did kind of have that sound um it just again, I felt it was still anger towards women. It was super pissed, or towards a particular woman, super pissed off. Uh, my skin catches fire at the mention of your name. I mean, there's strong lyrics on that. Step into the light. Yeah, that was a like you said, nice little break, toned down. Uh, I just interpret it as a song about. It's a, and it's a really, it's a beautiful song because it's not just so much about anger. It just it, it's more about to me, um, lost love, a man who's in pain. And so instead of just taking that angry approach, he's just, it's just sadness. Uh, going to town, another funky guitar riff, you know, funky bass line. Yeah, I, I put this as just kind of an excitement, maybe. Maybe an excitement of, of um, entering into a possible you know, toxic relationship. Not real sure about that. Honky's Ladder. Um, I've always enjoyed that song. I know they still play that one live a lot. They, Night, by, Night by Candlelight, I know you said you put that as a stinker. Uh, I really like this song, but then again, I like every one of them. But I just I put that I, I love that dark, eerie opener, or opening, that it's, a, it's kind of that feeling of guilt, questioning his own sanity, uh, a reckoning for what he has done. Uh, bulletproof. Um, fan of that song as well. I mean, uh, not much I'll, I'll really say about that. Summer's Kiss is... So, Crime Scene... Summer's Kiss and Faded are as good, if not better, than any song on Gentlemen, in my opinion. They may be better than any song on Gentlemen, all three of them. 
But again, I just go back to that flow of gentlemen. So that shows you what I think about the songs on this album. Summer's Kiss, it's one of my very favorite songs by them. Uh, I would have to say it is my favorite on the album. I just love that that opening. You got that little build and then Dooley just shouting, go. Uh, love the drumming in this song, man. I, I, I felt that dude just killed it in this. And I thought this was, I interpreted this more as kind of like a relationship going bad. Uh, Faded, already said. Another one of my favorites. That piano intro is just, I just think it's so beautiful. I, I really have no clue what this song is about, but it's just a, an amazing closer. Like you said, they do, and you're right, they do a lot of times in albums with just amazing, you know, final songs. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, a lot of their albums start off slow and then they end with, uh, um, you know, really good, really good songs, which is a sign of a confident band, in my opinion. So the next album that they put out was 1965, and I think I'm probably not going out on a limb here. That's probably refer- referencing the year that Greg Dooley was born. Is that correct? I don't know. Okay. All right. So I'm sure somebody will let us know as soon as this post. Um, I put on here that this is the first time that I consistently heard any real hint of soul and R&B. And uh, that's a good thing. I I, I really like this album. Uh, the song, uh, just a few notes here. The song Something Hot, I have This Is My Favorite Song by The Wigs. Uptown Again, I have I Love The Groove on This Song. Great Chorus, Exclamation Point. Um, the song 66 I have sounds like a really good 90s song uh, the song uh, Omerta uh, I have on here sounds like a song that would to me fit on an, old, pre, an older album and then the uh, the closing um, uh, track is actually an instrumental it's called Vampire and I believe it's it's referencing Daniel is it, I, I, is it you pronounce his last name Lenoir that, yes. uh, Vampire Lenoir and I put on here, it's interesting to close with an instrumental, uh, especially for them, but uh, it's not a bad song. So overall, this is an album I really liked. And uh, I, several of these songs, I, like I said, I put on my Spotify great song playlist. And this was uh, came a couple years after Black Love. And then for the longest time, people thought this was the last uh, Wigs album, correct? Yeah, yeah. So this was the... This was really the final Wigs album. It was released in '98. We had a we had a label change. They're on Columbia now. Um, Dooley still at the helm producing. Still got Jeff Powell as an engineer, and you know have a new drummer. They're starting to get kind of spinal tappy on this one. You know with the drummer changes, but uh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, more. Or I put. I agree with you. There's more R&B leanings. There's uh, there's soul. There's jazz. There's a lot of horns incorporated. Um, my thoughts on this before I get kind of get into the songs, I just put that it's uh, it's very sexual. Still, we still have that, but it's just not it's it's not dark like Gentleman or Black Love. Uh, it's it's lustful, but it doesn't appear to be angry and just the anger and loathing toward women. Just uh. Instead, it's more appreciative. And and I did snag a couple of quotes from Greg Dooley where he said, I was singing about a celebration with myself rather than a bunch of shitty stuff that had happened on which I became an over-accomplished miserablist. And, and, there, and there quietly became, and then, and then quietly became me again. I like the guy who sings these songs. 
that guy, that dude is cool. So it does show you there was kind of a shift in him. You know, I guess he'd found happiness. I mean, he didn't have that same bitter. And and and, and honestly, I, I hear it in the album because it it sounds it is more upbeat. It is a happier sounding album. But yeah, you know, something hot. Uh, I like that song a lot too. It's um it's got a very soulful feel, especially with the uh, those backing vocals that you got female backing vocals that just have very soulful. Um, it's a it's another sexual song, lustful song. Next song, crazy. Um, really love this song. I mean, it sounds like it's just about you know it's about an ex. Uh, I love the final line, crazy about you, crazy without you, crazy over you. Uh, it's one of my favorite on the album. Uptown again. Probably, it's probably a toss-up between Crazy and Uptown again as far as my favorites on here. But um, I just I, I thought that I thought this one was uh, was was super cool. I just I love the vocals particularly. I just commented that I love the way his voice sounds on that one. And then you know going to '66, I, I thought that was you know, the song '66, a very seductive opening. It's cool guitar, you know, acoustic guitars, you know, just. That sound that he has on there, I thought was very cool. Um, John the Baptist is, you know, I, I'm speaking too soon. I said probably crazy or uptown again. I'd probably go with John the Baptist as being my favorite on this album. Uh, very cool kind of Motown vibe sounding on the guitar. I uh, thought the lyrics were very, very cool on this. You know, the opening lyrics of the song Hey, welcome home. I got a little wine. It's a Marvin Gaye. Come and taste me, come and take me. I'm yours. Um, just cool lyrics, cool song. Yeah, that was my favorite one on here. Now, neglected. I um, I like this one too. I, I think it's, you know, it's it's got a nice little groove. It's got the sexual vibe to it. But I, I read that this was about a um, a turbulent split that Electra that. Afghan Wigs had with Electric, but this album now has them on Columbia. And the reason why, you know, when somebody said that it's a uh, about a turbulent split with Electra, and maybe Dooley had a relationship with somebody at Electra, I'm not real sure, but Electra is spelled E L E K T R A, neglected, N E G L E K T D. That's interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if people are just reading into things or if they know something, but at least that's the that's the thought. And the final song, like you said, um, the Vampire Lenoir. Yes, this was um, they were recording at a studio that was owned by Daniel Lenoir. He does it's, a lot. Of, um, he's done a lot of the U two records, I think. You know that is. From, I, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I know that name as soon as you say it. I, I didn't. I wasn't that familiar, but yeah, that sounds right. But uh, but yeah, just um, it's a a more positive album. Um, had some you know a lot of different keep you know, different guest appearances. One of which was Alex Chilton. He did play on this album on one of the songs. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's a really good record. All right, so they go away for a while and. Uh... They're away, I think, for 16 years, and I think in that time frame, he started another band called the Twilight Singers. Yeah. And so the when they decide to get back together, uh, they put on an album called Due to the Beast. All right, so um, I have on here, I thought this album wasn't as dark as some of the other albums, 
musically I felt it was heavier. I have on here is this because of a personnel change? Question mark, Chris? Question mark. So okay, yeah. Go I, ahead. I, go I, ahead. Just, go ahead and address yeah, let me that. Jump in, I, and I'm not sure on that, but okay. I don't want to. So again, if if we are lucky enough that Greg Dooley or John Curley are listening to us, I don't want it this to come off sounding bad because I'm a mega fan and I love every record you guys have put out. Um, but I feel like. Was it the fact that it's the first album without Rick McCollum that was it because him not being on, which Rick McCollum, by the way, for people listening, he, he was, you know, he was the guitarist that played on all those albums, the first one, the, the early records. And he, uh, I read an interview where, you know, they, they had done a tour, I guess this was maybe around 2013, something like that. And, they the question was asked had you discussed doing another record and they really hadn't they had never talked about doing one and they um they ended up playing that that gig with Usher at South by Southwest and after it was over he wasn't specific but I guess Rick McCollum wasn't with him at dinner and but he said that he I guess it was he and Curly and they talked about how fun it was and said just out of nowhere they're like hey we should do a record. And they both, you know, they agreed. And he said, maybe the reason why we never really talked about doing a record while we were on tour is because we, deep down, we knew we would never do one with Rick McCollum. And I don't know all the details on that, but that's kind of, I'm kind of getting sidetracked. But to, to answer your question, I wonder, did his leaving, did he take a little bit of the soul with him and by bringing some of these players from the Twilight Singers, did they incorporate a little bit of that sound? And it kind of got like a combined feel from it when he got some of those players. And look, I know Greg Dooley's just the primary songwriter, but it just makes me feel like maybe they kind of put their influence on it because the Twilight Singers are, there's not really soul in that band. They... And they brought in a lot more, there's a lot more piano in it, which I feel like these last two records incorporated a lot more of that. It's just, it's just it's straight rock. It's not really, it doesn't really have that soulful vibe to it. So I kind of felt like these last two records have been blending Afghan wigs and the Twilight Singers. I don't know if I'm answering your question there, but no, that's it, my, 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 my feeling, and there's nothing to say whether I'm right or wrong. It's a plausible theory, at, at the least. So I have on here uh, the first song, Parked Outside. I have, I love the slow, repetitive groove. This seems to be a heavier song. I love the kick of the last chorus. Uh, the second song, I'm assuming this is Metamoros, is the name of it. Uh, not a fan of the verses, but I think the chorus is good. I have on here for It Kills, very nice song. Who is that singing in the background? Number four, Algiers. I have best song on the album, in my opinion. Number five, Lost in the Woods. It's, a, it, it's uh, an amazing song. I have second favorite song on the album. Such a good melodic chorus. This doesn't sound like anything else they have recorded. Um, I have on here a few more things. Royal Cream. I have that's the first song on the album that I didn't really like. Uh, song number seven, The Lottery. Uh, I just have much heavier. This album is really good. And then I have... Uh, Maybe is, can't, I don't have the album from me. The last song is it called "These Sticks"? 
Three Sticks. Three Sticks. Okay, I thought maybe I typed it wrong. Uh, that's a great song to close out an album. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, this album, and uh, I have uh, there. There's some of their albums I have deleted out of my Spotify album list, and this is not one of them. Uh, really surprised at how much I liked it. And I know a couple of weeks ago you had tweeted like how remarkable it was for a band to go away for 16 years and come back and put out an album this good. And I'm I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that, Chris. This is a very very solid album. Well, I'm glad you said that because you know I feel like it in spades, which is a really good album. We'll get to in just a minute. There was a lot of hype with that album when it came out, but. I can tell, like, for me anyway, it felt like when Due to the Beast came out, it was silent. There was nothing about it. Nobody seemed to know about it. It's almost like they had to reemerge, get themselves back on the map, and then people started talking about them. It didn't feel like there was anticipation. There was anticipation for, for In Spades. Therefore, I think In Spades got a lot more hype, a lot more hype than Due to the Beast. And... And so for me to say, when I put that tweet out, it seems like everybody just loves In Space, which I do too. But it seems like Due to the Beast is kind of forgotten. And and when I put out that tweet, I, really, I was listening to it that day, and I was like, man, this is a good record. And yeah, 16 years later, and they put this out, I mean, man, what a way back. And yeah, stylistically, it's a little bit different, but... Who cares? I mean, it was. It still sounds like the Afghan Wigs to me. Um, this one had him going back on sub pop. Um, it's. Uh, I just put again some of these things we've already talked about that I just put it. It, it lacks the typical R and B soul sound that has a mix of Afghan Wigs and Twilight Singers. Um, I thought it was just a very well sequenced album as well, and I. Um, I just thought, I remember, like, both the last two records, when I first put the album on, both of them, I'm just, like, scratching my head, like, what? Because it's not what I'm used to. Both the opening tracks have been so different for an Afghan wig song. And so this one, they put on Parked Outside. When that came on first, like, okay, now this is different. And it is a... It's an amazing opener, by the way. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of heavy. It's, um, I just, when I bought it, I, I just, I remember, like, just thinking, well, this is, I, I haven't heard anything like this before. This is a new sound, and it, and it shocked me, but I still loved it. And I just, it just kind of felt like it just, this one just punched me in the teeth. I wasn't expecting it. Um, you know, uh, the, standout ones for me for sure it kills in algiers it kills is i love this song i love that piano opening it's uh definitely one of the favorites i i just put this it seems like he's in pain overseeing his former lover with another um and he can't let her go love that song algiers um again one of the most amazing songs on this record i uh I remember, too, this song came on my favorite show. My favorite show is Ray Donovan. And I remember the way it was used in that song was just so insane. But 
you know, lyrically too, I love this one. I put down a few lyrics on this that I really liked. Heavenly demons outside my window sent here to see me outside this world. Um, so, so simple when you know, you know it's time to go. Scream, the body leaves the bone to sit upon the throne. A better waits for life. So, you know, I I read those lyrics, and I remember that scene in the show Ray Donovan, a, a, a girl that Ray Donovan was with, she was she was murdered. Um, and it's like, wow, I mean, it, it just it was so well used in that show. Such a great song. Lost in the Woods, love that piano intro. Love that opening. Surprise, surprise, I'll have you know, I've come to see you die. <laughs> I mean, it's just a really dark but cool tune. Uh, lottery, the lottery is a uh, that that I love this. This one just to me has such a big, big sound, and I love when that chorus kicks in. Where it just starts yelling the lottery, the ritual. Uh, I love the guitar in this chorus, um, and then let's see. I put on here. Uh, let's see, Royal Cream. I put is this you know is this about being cheated on? You know, I love the guitar breakdown, and then that cool rhythm section of the. Of the drums, the the bass, it just it it's so cool the way that sounds, and then that shift, you know, and continuum from Royal Cream to I'm the Fire, and love that song and that closing track. I agree with you, Three Sticks. It, it just feels like an album closer. Yeah, they the, they do not put out any stinkers on the on the final song. That's for sure. Um, great habit of putting out uh, great songs to end uh, each album. Well, this brings us to their latest album. Hopefully, it's not their last, but it came out, I believe, last year. Is that correct, Chris? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It's called In Spades. And I have In Spades, and out beside it, I have It's a Dance Album! Exclamation point. Um, the first song, Birdland, man, when I first heard this, I was like, have, have, I, have I clicked on something wrong, or it, what am I listening to? This is just weird. And I remember when this album came out, you're trying to get me to listen to it. And I remember you saying, like, you have to get past that first song. With that said, uh, I went back and listened to it several, several times. And it it has started to grow on me. And it, it does start off kind of weird, but it builds. And it has, um, you know, it winds up at the end being, in my opinion, a good song and a nice way to start the album. Arabian Heights, I have, I have, this has a danceable beat. Is this their quote-unquote dance song? Uh, Demon in Profile, I put great song, love the groove. Toy Automatic, may be my favorite vocals on any wig song. Uh, Oriole, I have a, a beautiful song that builds. Copernicus, great rock song with a great repetitive riff. Um, the Spell, I have first song I didn't like on this album. Light as a Feather, I have next to this. This should have been a single. Um, I got lost. I have next hit, not a fan. And then I have the final song, Into the Floor, another great song to end an album, complete with an orchestra. Yeah, so this album, um, yeah, like you said, 17 on Sub Pop. This one is one of the most difficult. A lot of the, the Greg Dooley's lyrics are tough to figure out, but this one is probably the most difficult of any of them for me. Half the time, I don't know what he's talking about. And he did say, he said, to me, it's about memory, in particular, how quickly life and memory can 
how quickly life and, and memory can blur together. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's a tough one for me to figure out. But Birdland, I agree with you. I, I remember I got the album and I loved tracks two through ten. First one was a is just like due to the beast. They started with something different for me. And now I really, really enjoy the song. They open with that song live, and I just think it has a really crisp, you know, vibrant sound. It's uh, it's unique. It's definitely unique to what they do. Again, yeah, it took time to grow on me, but I do love it. The um, second song, Early in Heights, uh, I love this one. This song is just awesome live, uh, and I just think, and I just think the new music altogether just it just comes off so well live and. There's not many bands that, you know, they, look, they're not doing what R.E.M. did most of their later years, where they go out and they play, and 95% of it is, like, the last two records. But they do play at least half of their set, probably comes from the last two records. And I don't care. And I did care when R.E.M. did that. I don't care with Afghan Wigs, because I think these two albums are, are so good. And, but... I just, uh, Arabian Heights, I thought just that music selling it so good. I love the production on that. Demon in Profile, I'd have to say my second favorite one on here. It's just still, you know, band selling really tight. It, it's just more of, this one I thought had a little bit more of the return to that, that kind of soul type feeling that they've had in the past, especially with the inclusion of the horns. Toy Automatic, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I mean, that, I mean, it's definitely the best on the album, and maybe my favorite thing they put. It's up there, at least my favorite thing they put out of of either of these two albums. But I, I loved it. It just, you know, I, I'm again had, had a tough time trying to figure out what he's talking about on these songs. But you know, and, and I actually did write a note on here that maybe the best song since since Summer's Kissed that they put out, and. You know, is this one is like, is, is it a guy in love? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, he, but he's saying, tell me, is this real? Everything I feel, tell me this is real. It's like begging, like, I mean, is it too good to be true? I don't know. Um, you know, the, uh, what is it, how do you pronounce it again, Oriola? Um, I've just pronounced it as Oreo, but I, I may have been wrong. But, but it, it, whatever, I, I love that one. I love at the end, the, uh, Flying, flying, flying. That he, you know, that, and then the inter, it's just kind of like an inter, uh, instrumental interlude that goes into um, light as a feather. I just put a, that soul jazz. It just it makes it sound like something that, that would have fit very well in 1965 as that very 70s 70s soul guitar. Um, you know, it sounds like he's telling a girl that you know is, is he telling a girl that 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 he she won't let let that she won't, that he won't let her get, let, won't let her get to him. He's, uh, I don't know. Um, I get lost. Great, great tune. Like he does a woman, he doesn't believe her. He doesn't trust her asking for a reason not to leave. And then last song into the floor, another great album closer. It just seems like he's trying to remember someone in a positive light, you know, wanting a good memory, you know, no matter what's to come, he just wants, you know, he's just, really wanting to keep that good memory of this person. Well, like we said, I hope this is not 
their last album because uh, it, it's it's really good. This is one that I will not be deleting um, out of my Spotify list. And much to Chris's chagrin, I, I'm starting to get into vinyl. And so um, I think there are probably three albums that I'm going to go out and purchase on vinyl. So, uh, Mr. Dooley, putting a little money in your pocket for you. So we're going to get to – go ahead. I was going to say, before we rank, I do just want to mention, too, for anybody that's, that's listening, big diehard channel, well, you, you didn't mention Uptown Avondale. Well, we didn't mention it because we were just doing the, the album releases, but I, but I do want to just give a quick little plug to that. This was the EP they put out that was uh, is the final thing they did with Sub Pop before Gentleman came out. It was it was really just it was four soul covers. The fifth song was uh, Rebirth of the Cool, kind of a, a nod to Miles Davis, and it it was actually the the song the Rebirth of the Cool was it was a remix of Miles is Dead had a very um, almost kind of dance remix to it, a lot like Stone Roses, Fool's Gold, if you've ever heard that song. But it had some great songs on it. The, um, the song they did, the, the Supreme song, Come See, Come See About Me, it ended up being on their, their uh, retrospective that they put out, um, I guess it was a few years before they got back together. And that's to me, that's the best one on there. I love that. And speaking of the, the best of, it's called Unbreakable, which if you're, if you're just listening to us, because for whatever, time, whatever reason you just like wasting time listening to us and you don't know a damn thing about the Afghan wigs, maybe try Unbreakable, uh, if it's still available. I'm not sure if it is, but it's a career retrospective up until 2006, and it does have a couple of songs that are on, on, on any of these albums we've talked about, one of which is I'm a Soldier, which I think is just an amazing song, and it has just really cool chanting-type opening to it that's just really killer. And the last thing I'll just mention before we get into the ranking too is um, they uh, one of my very, very favorite movies, I mentioned how they were in my favorite show, Ray Donovan, but they were also in one of my, but they actually made an appearance in one of my favorite movies of all time, a movie called Beautiful Girls, which is just a super underrated movie that's, you know, hard to find and it's uh, just a, cast full of people that you would know. I won't even bore you with it, but but anyway, amazing movie and great, great scene in the movie where uh, Michael Rappaport is dancing with uh, Uma Thurman and it's a, it's a cover song and it's called Be For Real, which is man, I, that, that I, I think, I mean, that's maybe my favorite cover of anything they've done. But, um, Anyway, I just wanted to get, give a quick mention of those for anybody listening. Like, hey, you left this out. You left that out. Well, there you go. I included it. All right, so we're going to get to the uh, part of the show where Chris is going to tell me I'm wrong and yell at me. So <laughs> we're going to rank our favorite Afghan wig albums, wigs albums from 8 to 1. So I'm going to go first and let the expert go second. At number eight, I have Big Top Halloween. Should be no surprise there. Number seven, I have Congregation. Number six, Up In It. Number five, Black Love. Number four, Gentleman. Number three, 1965. 
Number two, Due to the Beast. And number one, In Spades. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to start calling you an idiot and say, because I know you're just getting into this band. And, and I, you know, I said to you earlier, I think that the point should be made that maybe, maybe some of these albums that maybe I just kind of forget about it. Maybe some of these albums that a, maybe we, we, if we're an Afghan Wigs fan, we, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I mean, we're, we're just so, we're so used to these albums. We love these albums and, and they mean so much to us and we're used to that sound. Maybe when you're just coming in, maybe it's the certain albums like a black love or a, a gentleman that really need time to digest, you know, maybe hearing something like in spades just can, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to explain, but the, I mean, that's what I would tell anybody that's listening. I mean, if I'm going to defend him in any way, which is hard to do, but I'm going to try. Um, maybe it's just because you, you that unfamiliarity and this is the first things that you're hearing. But maybe if you really started to fall in love with this band, it may be that a year from now, you have Black Lover Gentleman as number one, which I think if you did fall in love with the band, you probably will have those as one of the best. As one, as one You'll probably have those in your top. Um you know, those are those are those are definitely the surprises. I mean, especially gentlemen in Black Love four and five. I mean, when you have Black Love actually in the bottom half, I mean that that's that's definitely surprising. I definitely thought they'd at least both make your top three. Um, and by the by the talks that we had, uh, I thought you were gonna have I thought you were gonna have 1965 as your number one. Um, actually, I'll be honest with you, Chris. Going into this morning. I had 1965 as number one. And okay. um, I listened to In Spades a couple of times this morning. And I was going back and forth. Because I definitely thought Due to the Beast was, was number two. And I was going back and forth. And it just came to a, to a spot where I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to pick one. And that's what it's going to be. Um, to me, the 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 margin is razor th- thin between In Spades, Due to the Beast, and 1965. Okay. Well, mine's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I go Big Top Halloween at number eight. Number seven, Up in It. Number six, Congregation. Number five, 1965. Number four. In Spades, number three, Due to the Beast, number two, Black Love, number one, Gentleman. No surprise there. No, but you know, I, I, it, it might, I don't know, maybe it surprised some people that I have both Due to the Beast and In Spades in the upper half, but I don't know that, it, I say that, but it probably won't surprise people because I think most fans have loved those records. And... But I feel like I do feel like what I told you before that I think most people tend to put in spades a little bit ahead. But again, maybe that has to do with the fact that it was it got more press, more people talked about it, and you know I, I remember just Twitter was blowing up over that from the musicians that I adore talking about it. 
I don't remember that when Due to the Beast came out. But I just, I like Due to the Beast better. And I remember when I did post those last, you know, Due to the Beast and In Spades, it's, when I posted about how much how good those records were, it did seem like more people were about In Spades. Um, but, and in, in speaking of pe- the comments we've got, the people that posted, when you put out the tweet about what's your favorite, and I, I, lo- I wish I had a, taken a snapshot of those and read some of those because some of any of y'all that, are, that tweeted on that and you're and you're listening right now, first of all, thank you for the interest and for for sharing your thoughts on them. I mean, some of them are just so cool. One of the, one of my favorite ones was a woman put on there that that black that uh, 1965 was an album to fall in love to, and I was like, man, that's that's cool. Um, I just loved hearing everybody's reasonings why they had their that as their favorite one, and for her to say something like that is like that's that's a that's a cool reason that she listed. But and and I I don't I just that's the only one I can really remember right now. But a lot of people had some really really cool comments on that, and um, I loved reading them. And uh, hopefully, you know anybody listening right now when we when we post this, please. Um, Tell us your thoughts. Give us your own rankings. I'd love to. I'd love to see what everybody else puts as their as their rankings. Um, it's hard, but try to do it. Tell me. I mean, I know you're going to tell David he's wrong, but, <laughs> but but if I'm wrong, tell me why I'm wrong, and um, you know, you might you might sell me. But um, and then the final things I was going to say too before we before we do uh, end this is. Um, I know people have kind of commented too, like, "Hey, don't don't sleep on the other material," and uh, and I agree with that. You know, David has mentioned the Twilight Singers, and I would say if maybe you're maybe you're an Afghan Wigs fan, but you've never really given the Twilight Singers a, a chance. Well, first of all, you should. Secondly, you know, I would say if you do want to give it a shot, um, you've never really never really tried them out. Check out the album. I would probably steer toward. I'd probably go towards um, Powder Burns. I really enjoy that one. Uh, has a has a couple of really really great. I mean, it's a good album altogether. All but in particular, I'm ready. Bonnie Ray. I'm sorry, Bonnie Bray. And then um, one another one that I love is um, play they play Black it's Blackberry Bell is the album. But um, Blackberry Bell has uh, it has Teenage Wristband, which if you've seen the Afghan Wigs in the past year or so, you've probably heard them play that live because they still play that, they play that a good bit. But the song The Killer is also really good. Those two albums are really good. All their stuff is good, but I, I particularly like those albums. They, he's also done a couple albums with uh, Mark Lanigan of, of uh, Screaming Freeze. And it's a little side project they called The Gutter Twins. And then finally, I would say the, his solo album that he put out, Greg Dooley put out an album called Amber Highlights. I'm sorry, Amber Headlights. This album came out in 2005. And I think you may have a tough time finding it, but you probably can get it on Amazon or eBay or something like that, find yourself a used copy, because I think it is, I think this is out of print, kind of hard to find. But really, really, good album i mean really good album um 
not enough people know about this one, but his solo album is fantastic. Chris, I had fun. I felt like my homework paid off. Yeah, it did. Um, so uh, it's Chris's turn uh, in the next couple of weeks, so he will need to uh, dig into that My Morning Jacket catalog, and uh, I'll tell him why his rankings are wrong uh, when that time comes. Uh, once again, thank you to everybody that listens. We ha- we are really building a, a very loyal uh, listener base, and we really appreciate that. And feel free to be as active with us on social media as you would like. Uh, we're usually one of us is pretty good uh, about getting back. We both are. But usually, one of us will get back to you pretty uh, quickly. If you can and, and you like our podcast, leave us a review on uh, iTunes. Uh, that would really help. We got I've gotten a couple of really cool ones lately, and we do. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And as you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, and you can uh, follow us on Instagram, Digital Killed the Radio Star, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Laughable, Ear Peeler, and SoundCloud. And if you like the episode, feel free to retweet it, tell your friends about it. Uh, we really do thank everybody for listening, and we really appreciate all the new listeners. And uh, I think, uh, I hope we're going to pick up a lot of new listeners that are. Uh, afghan wigs fans so uh i hope everybody has a good week and chris will be chris and i'll be back with you uh sooner rather than later take care everybody